Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, everybody. Welcome into Hail Yes, a Detroit Free Press podcast about University of Michigan athletics. I'm Tony Garcia, Michigan beat writer for the Freep, coming to you from my hotel in Silver Springs, Maryland. That's about 15 minutes outside of College Park, where Michigan beat Maryland 31 to 24 on Saturday. I should say survived Maryland 31 to 24 yesterday. I'm joined, of course, as always, by our Big Ten insider, Reiner Saban, uh, who did not make the trip with me this time. Uh, but of course, he was there with me uh, in University Park last weekend. We will certainly be together next week uh, for the biggest college football game of the season. And uh, we're going to dedicate the entire B block of the show to that game, of course. But today, uh, we start with Michigan's first tight game of the season, uh, more adversity that set it up, and uh, perhaps an anticlimactic 1,000th win. Uh, Reiner, is that were those your takeaways as well from 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 your vantage? You, you were sort of like Jim Harbaugh this week, right? Ta- taking it in from from a different perspective. Did you did you learn uh, a ton about yourself and the team and everything as well from 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 this new view? Uh, not really, but I mean, I think I, I would disagree with you that it was anticlimactic. I mean, it was actually a pretty fascinating game, and it, I mean, it was a muted response by Michigan after the game. I guess that, yeah, considering so. all that, considering all that happened. But overall, I thought it was an, you know obviously the most interesting game of the year that uh, we've all seen out of this Michigan team. Oh, by far. And that's why we have so much to talk about. And really anticlimactic in the sense that if you yeah. think about how, I mean, 144 years of building up to this moment, right? right. Uh, for it to be the, the sloppiest game of the year, not in between the two top 10 games without your head coach, right? It was just, and and the muted celebration after. I mean, not that they weren't proud. I mean, Ward Manuel was in there. I mean, I mean, they were very proud. There were signs all over uh, College Park, all over Secu Stadium. But uh, but it just it wasn't like had it happened at home. Right. Or had Jim Harbaugh, the leader, the historian of Michigan football been there. So it did feel a little uh, a little different. And uh, and I guess we'll, we'll just start. Uh, let's let's start with, uh, with with that thousandth win. Right. Uh, I mean, just and and the crazy week that led up to it. Right. Uh, I mean, Chris Partridge is is fired. I mean, I know we're, we're going to do this a little bit backwards just because we're sort of thinking about that in the moment. I mean. Chris Partridge is fired. No, uh, no, Jim Harbaugh. It's uh, it's it's quite it's quite the lead up to to just trying to survive and and find a way to get this one. Yeah, it was just weird how Michigan did an about face basically this week. Uh, right before, I mean, they had been so astride, and you know, Jim Harbaugh was you know looking forward to his day in court and due process, and he you know spoke to the media last Monday, uh, saying as much, and then all of a sudden. Thursday, this email comes out saying that they have basically settled the, uh, you know, the case and that uh, they've uh, withdrawn their complaint uh, against the Big Ten and there would be no hearing on Friday. Uh, it was going to be a much anticipated hearing in downtown Ann Arbor at the Washtenaw County Courthouse. 
and it didn't come to pass. And you know, Jim Harbaugh was going to serve out the the rest of his you know three game suspension. Uh, it was just a stunning kind of set of developments because again, Michigan seemed like they were really going to go to war with the Big Ten, and here they were basically uh, waving the white flag, and uh, that just set up the situation as you alluded to on on Friday where uh, Chris Partridge was you know fired and, and you know you started to kind of st- start putting two to two together uh, wondering you know if one had something to do with the other and it was uh, it, it was uh, st- quite a quite a turn of events for for what Michigan was doing prior to this. And then I also think about it really just I was from the bravado, right? And from the from the optics sure. standpoint and with, sure. with how uh, I mean, I mean, the inflammatory letter that, that Ward Manuel wrote. And uh, yeah. I mean, at the time, he, mm-hmm. he seemed to to mean every word of it. Right. Uh, sure. and, and I mean, I think Michigan did in that time feel very wronged. But now you just look back at I mean, to to that quickly, you use your phrase to about face and just accepted punishment i i can't ever recall uh a, a time in 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 sports where someone was this strongly against something and then this quickly accepted it to try and move on but again uh it did seem as if the the, the chris partridge evidence uh he is uh various reports out there uh are are saying that he that he was tampering with with uh, with players and, and and different aspects of the investigation, just trying to sort of tell people not to talk too much uh, about the about the science dealing when when people were asking questions. Yeah, and, yeah. It, it's a bad look because for for Michigan and for Jim Harbaugh because you know Jim Harbaugh hired Partridge twice. Uh, you know th- this is the second time he's been with Michigan, so I mean he he's a Harbaugh guy through and through and. To have a guy like this, you know, uh, leave the staff suddenly at, at this point, especially when there's all this speculation, all this controversy, it doesn't help Jim Harbaugh's cause as he tries to, you know, kind of separate himself or present the idea that he, you know, had no knowledge or um, no connection really to the scheme that was uh, orchestrated by former staffer Connor Stallions. Yeah, and these reports of un- Uncle T. Right. And uh, this is a lot of booster Tim Smith. And I mean, we're, we're still we'll still that how, how true that is. But just should should these things pan out? Right. It it the credence of the argument of the or the argument of lone wolf loses its credence. Right. And then it starts getting well, the web just starts spreading. Yeah. And it's also weird because, you know, Partridge was very involved in that Empower initiative, the NIL collective, uh, you know, or. NIL initiative that uh, was involved. I mean, you know, and then you saw Stallions wearing an Empower shirt on the sideline. And so, I mean, (laughs) you start to wonder about other things there too. I mean, and it's just, it's, uh, it's not a great look for Michigan right now with uh, uh, what these developments have, uh, you know, uh, maybe presented different ideas about just what, what's going on here. And, uh, you know what, what? Whether that you know bears out, it, it's just the optics of it just does not look good right now for Michigan. Yeah, and as our producer uh, Andrew Burkle points out uh, to us, uh, there also he he was close with Jay Harbaugh. D- different stories and different 
aspects. I mean, right. going all the way back to the beginning of this saga, that, that initial Sports Illustrated report about the manifesto and everything, it was talking right. about him bragging about his relationship with Jay Harbaugh. And that was back in 2017. Uh, mm-hmm. So 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 a long, a long time. We didn't want to derail with <laughs> when it's such a football time. We didn't want to derail with that sort of side subject, but it really did set the tone for, I think, why Michigan may have struggled. I mean, there's a bunch in, in this game, right? There's a bunch of back layer and levels to, to reasons why. I mean, no Chris Partridge uh, and, and the linebackers against uh, Hemby, a very good running back. And they saw using him in, in the past game a little bit. Uh, Rick Minter, Jesse Minter's father had to step in in that role. And then no Jim Harbaugh. And really the person who has seemed to be most affected, if there is one person without Jim Harbaugh's presence there, it's been J.J. McCarthy. So the reason we started with that is it's not it's not unrelated to the reasons Michigan didn't look its best. No, you're right. And uh, absolutely, I think, you know, J.J. McCarthy has been affected. I mean, he's kind of alluded to that in the past, I think, where, or, uh, where, where Jim Harbaugh wasn't there during his previous works performance, which was against Bowling Green when he threw three interceptions. Now you see maybe the effect also – uh, rearing its ugly head uh, against Maryland. Uh, you know, JJ went 11 of 23 for 141 yards and an interception. Uh, hasn't thrown a, a touchdown since before the bye week, I think. Is that correct, Tony? Yep. Yep. Uh, Four against yeah. Michigan State. Yeah. Not, none in three games in a row. Or, yeah. run, or run. No no score, no touchdowns at all. None with his legs. Yeah. And, and it's taken him out of, completely out of the Heisman conversation. Uh, you know, when it looked like he was a possible front runner uh, after the Michigan State game. So it's been a steady decline, but this was the worst performance and really it couldn't come in a worse time. I mean, you're going into the Ohio State game. You kind of need to be on at your best level. And right now he looks pretty shaky. Yeah. And I wonder how much of it is health. Uh, just walking yeah. around pre- pregame, he did not. He, he seemed to be favoring uh, one of his legs. And J.J. McCarthy's ability to do things with his legs not only opens up things with his arms, but it opens up the rest of the ground game, right? And uh, and maybe Michigan just wanted to, to make sure they kept him in bubble wrap and nothing happened before Ohio State. But there was only one designed read option yesterday. He ran two times in total, but one of those was sack yardage. He was not using his legs to extend plays, and and that was a big reason why uh, why, why he was limited. And and. He seemed to not be getting stronger as the game wore on, right? It was more of just a surviving as the game progressed. He he was five of his final 12 throws for 44 yards and the pick. Uh, the pick to Colston Loveland, just, just kind of an uncharacteristic. I mean, I guess you could call it uncharacteristic, right? In the sense that it was, it was I said the pick to Colston Loveland. The pick when he was targeting Colston Loveland over the middle, there we go, was somewhat uncharacteristic in the sense that he just locked onto him. However, he has had a tendency to just trust his arm and force throws because he thinks he can do it. And there, well, were, there was a throw to A.J. Barner that could have been picked. There were a number of... Yeah, I mean, right, right, literally the play right before. I was like, yes, you know, yes. yeah, into the end zone. Yeah, he, he, I mean, that two defenders were right there. I mean, it didn't even right. look like it had a chance to be completed. And so, no. I mean, it was a completely reckless decision there. And, um, you know, but it's interesting because uh, Michigan, the, la- uh, the last couple of weeks, I mean, they, they ran 46 times against Penn State, only threw it eight times with JJ. They come out, they're looking to run the football, 
They uh, ran twice as many times as they threw it in the first half. That was a clear strategy there. Uh, it seems like they're working to kind of limit J.J. McCarthy's opportunities. And so I don't think it's uh, um, it's helped his confidence somewhat that uh, that they've kind of gone away from him. And uh, I don't know why that is, but, you know, I mean, maybe it is because of the injury and such. And so uh, they're trying to do that or they they feel like, uh, they can take advantage of some of these opponents that have worn down over the course of the year, and they're just looking to pound away at them. But it seems like a clear strategy to kind of, again, go back to the kind of the, the uh, attack strategy they used uh, most of last year versus the one that they used in the first uh, eight games this year or so. Right. Well, Michigan has long been complimentary, like a complimentary style of play, right? They talk about right. complimentary football all the time, but Michigan was not winning the time of possession at the same level through through seven, eight weeks. They didn't really need to, yeah. uh, but it was just scoring kind, kind of quickly at times uh, and in different ways. And so I think Michigan really knew when it, when November comes, you are going to need to play some ball possession and you are going to have to get the run game going. So I think Michigan was smart to try and establish that sense of it. I just don't know if they foresaw that it was going to take J.J. McCarthy out of his element to this extent. Now, this is this is only two games uh, because against Purdue, he still threw. I mean, I think he threw for 330 some yards, right? Like he was the second most in his career. He just did not throw for a touchdown. So that was still a decent game. It was just a lot of handoffs, a lot of running running scores. But uh, but 25 passing attempts for about for 200 yards and a touchdown in two games uh, at Penn State at Maryland when you knew that's when things were going to be getting difficult. It is just not what what you wanted to see at this time. Yeah, no. And especially again, given what the opponent next week, I mean, he's going to get going against the best defense he's faced all year, uh, you know, arguably with uh, Ohio state. I mean, people can argue that it was Penn state, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but Ohio state uh, has been really pretty darn solid across the board. Uh, so it's going to be a real challenge for him, uh, you know, and this is not the time to be kind of playing at your worst, uh, or maybe, uh, having a somewhat of a downturn at this point. So I think, I think it's a little bit concerning that this is happening right now. Yeah. We'll, we'll, and we'll get into some of those yeah. problems that, that Ohio state presents. Uh, but, but I just want to make sure that we are clear. It's not just that JJ has regressed or something or that he's forgotten how to play football. I mean, there are some. There are there's everything going on outside the program, right, which can't help a quarterback as he tries to focus, no matter how locked in he says he is. Additionally, we talk about the Roman Wilson injury, right? He left early in the game. Sure. Uh, Ladarius Henderson, his left tackle was not out. Miles yeah. Hinton comes in for him. He leaves the game as well. Right. And so, uh, I mean, fortunately for for Michigan and, and then their coach, offensive coordinator or offensive line coach and offensive coordinator is also busy being the head coach. So as he's trying to rotate these guys, he can say that he's as focused as he is. It takes time on task away from the attention to detail you would be giving. Now, he would be giving calling the plays anyway. So Sharon always has a lot on his plate on game day. But acting as head coach, I can assure you, is just one more thing. Uh, and so it's not just the J.J., um, is falling off and perhaps, and I mean, Hey, <laughs> legends are made next week, right? I mean, he, he's done what he needed to do. Uh, and, and it's easy. Sharon said, like, it's easy to pile on when he throws a t- uh, an interception. I mean, it was his first turnover or the first pick since week three, right? So it will right. happen. Everyone's going to throw an interception, but it was the nature of the interception for me. True. True. And I, I, I do think the, the cumulative, uh, 
effective the pass protection breakdowns is is starting to affect JJ McCarthy too because it's probably going to speed up his operation and you know try to you know force him to make some some throws that maybe he he, he doesn't want to actually unleash at that moment. Uh, but there are some serious issues with the pass protection. I think. I mean, he, he, you know, even when he's not getting sacked, he's getting hit or affected by the pressure that he's facing. And so, uh, I do think that you, you can't lose sight of the fact that the Ladarius Henderson uh, being ruled out uh, before the game did have an effect on uh, on McCarthy's performances. And I think that's a very good point. Right. Thank you. And and I and, and I wonder, Reiner, do you see at all? I mean, of course, there's which uh, the caveat that gets added before every sentence, and I'm going to stop adding it because I think it goes without saying. There is so much more going on this year. But are you seeing or feeling any parallels to last year? Right. I mean, Michigan was really rolling. Then it, I guess it was, it was the Illinois game last year. Blake Corum gets hurt this year. Wilson gets hurt. We don't know how it, serious the extent of the injury is. Uh, but after just feeling like you're so ready for Ohio State that week before, it's just sort of a big step back and it's an exhale. It's a whoa there. And I, and, uh, and I mean, things get really, real, really fast after just sort of cakewalking in Michigan, Lottie dying, all of these things. And, oh, it's no big deal, right? Us against everyone. This and that. It's like, well, like, now's the time. And so I just, do, do, does it feel like it did last year where it's just like, well, this just got, this just got real really quick. Yeah. I think it's a fair, fair uh, comparison to make. I think obviously there's a, lo- a lot more going on as you alluded to with the, you know, with the sign stealing, you know, saga, you know, affecting the program. I mean, you know, there's uh, you know, people are going to read into uh, the effect that, you know, this has possibly had people are trying to draw conclusions like, what you know? What does Michigan look like before this happened? Uh, you know, before the allegations came about to what's happened now since then, and maybe try to decide whether that you know the, the their performance has been affected by you know uh, the fact that they're not able to you know carry out this purported scheme uh, in the same way. And uh, but it's it, it it's definitely it's definitely something that uh, you could draw the comparison to. Two, last year uh as well but yeah there's there's so many other reasons why you know michigan could be you know or you know ha- having a decline in a little bit of performance these last couple weeks uh including the including the the opponents themselves i mean i think everybody looked at this stretch as the toughest stretch in michigan's schedule it wasn't going to ramp up until november 11th when they played penn state and then from there it'd be a little bit of a grind at the end yeah, and not everybody looks great every week. Uh, go couple road games in a row, two of the tougher three opponents in your division, and you and you go and and you take care of business and never trail in the second half doing so. Right? I like yes, it felt close, but that was just like the feeling of a close game that happens actually in football. Uh, pe- people might forget, well, and also no, I mean, and then you look at the fact that I mean, Michigan was outscored in the third quarter for the first time. I mean, fourteen. The first point. The first. Yeah, the first, first points point. they gave first, up exactly, and so. Uh, you know, again, that's uh, that's something that stands out as an anomaly this season. And so, it, it, is that the beginning of a trend? I don't know. I mean, it's it, it, it starts to it starts to make you wonder. You know, what's what, what's going on? But there's so many other factors that could have contributed to all of this. 
Yeah. Well, for, yeah. for the record, Maryland scored just seven in the in the third quarter, but it was but it was their first it was their first seven uh, or first points Michigan gave up. And so, but we we need to briefly before we move on to Ohio State, we need to talk about all the things that Michigan did right in order to was, to win this game. It, it was fourteen. It was fourteen. Yeah, fourteen to six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they scored a, a touchdown late in the oh the second touch. Okay, there yeah, were three touchdowns yeah. scored. I was yeah. thinking, I was like I, I was yeah. thinking of the touchdown that was scored with a minute and fifty seconds left or, or a minute yeah. fifty some left yeah. in, in the in the first half. Well yeah. done. I don't. Yeah. I, I should have had I should have had the game script up in front of me. Anyways, we'll yeah. leave that in there. <laughs> I, I, I was I was at the game. I do know how to count. <laughs> Anyways, um, we should talk about the the things and the reasons why uh, mm-hmm. Michigan was able to win this game because the way right. we're talking about it, you would have thought they lost. Um, big, big plays on defense. Again, Mikey Sainer still two interceptions, uh, one over the middle uh, when, when Maryland was really stealing the momentum in, in the third yeah. quarter uh, and they were starting to cross midfield. That was a bit. And then, and then that led to Samaj Morgan, Michigan's only touchdown in the second half, which got them that two touchdown lead. It was actually 12 points because they missed the two point conversion, but it gave them just enough buffer room to, to sort of hold on. Uh, and then, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to take all of them. Right. But, uh, but, but you got, you got Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant, you got scoops and scores and, Go, well, a lot of big plays, right? <laughs> That's the point. Yeah, I mean, they were saved by the big play because, I mean, again, uh, this is the most vulnerable they looked uh, in, in a pass defense standpoint. Uh, uh, you know, Tugavailoa, uh, like I kind of thought, was going to create some issues because of his mobility and being able to get outside the pocket and and do some things. And then also Josh Gaddis, uh, you know, schemed up Michigan. He's very aware of Michigan uh, and they're – Defense. He was there for 2021, of course, when they in, installed that defense, and so he he was familiar with it, and probably had some ways to attack it. And so uh, you saw that with you know some bubble screens and some you know deep shots, you know, um, and uh, uh, some short passes uh, just to kind of get some rhythm for Tonga Bailoa. And uh, Michigan was caught flat-footed at times, and they needed those big plays to be able to kind of regain their footing and also kind of uh, uh, keep Maryland at bay. Yeah. One of those big plays early, early on yeah. uh, M- Michael Barrett, the, yeah. the, f- the fumble strip mm-hmm. sack on third down and then uh, the scoop and score for, for Derek Moore, who uh, good for Derek Moore, the sophomore uh, who played his high school ball at St. Francis Academy, like 30 miles North of college park. I know he, we talked with him on Tuesday. He said he had a bunch of friends and family uh, who, who were coming in. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure he was uh, very happy to celebrate with them after that one. And then, uh, I mean, Christian Boyvin uh, on the next series with the blocked punt uh, for the for, for the safety. Um, I mean, Michigan, I, I think he had a good quote. He said we he said that the special teams had just felt like like it, it was only a matter of time. Right. Like they have really felt like they've been just an inch away from breaking some big play. They didn't know if it was on a return on a block, what have you. But uh, but but he got he got free blocks, the punt in the first quarter and uh, their punter. Is Michigan's about to jump on it for another touchdown, and, and so their punter does what they what he has to do and just sort of boots it out of the back of the end zone. Yeah, I think it's most interesting that the, again, I mean, the three turnovers and the biggest plays were made by some of the most veteran players on the team. I mean, Sandra still fifth year guy, you know, my, Michael Barrett six year guy. I mean, it's it, and this is where experience comes into play and where you know guys like that kind of step up and help out 
a team like Michigan in a it's, very, it's, very intense game, you know? It's literally exactly what Michael Barrett said to my, to Mikey Sanders still afterwards. He, uh, he's, interesting. He was, talk, he was talking. Yeah, and I was yeah. funny. I was, I was yeah. like, you weren't there post game, but it's hilarious. Yeah. Michael Barrett was talking about. He's like, dude, like this is on us. He's like, he's like this. He's like, we've been, we're the ones who've been in games like this. We got to, we got to be the tone setters. And uh, all three uh, turnovers forced. A good point by you, by the, by the captain Mike's. So the Sanders uh, and, and then I, we glossed on it. Um, I don't think people realized how big the sack by Mason Graham on third down yeah, was of course punt in the fourth quarter. And then on the next series, Kenneth Grant on second down to just completely derail uh, any, any hope of, uh, of Maryland driving down the field. And the reason they had to keep driving down the field was Tommy Doman. Uh, he had a game a few weeks ago where he pinned the opponent. I think it was against Purdue inside the 12 yard line, four times. This was his best game. Uh, five punts, two of them more than 50 yards, two that pinned Maryland inside the 20. And that included maybe literally the best punt I've ever seen in my entire life. When he just boots it in the fourth quarter. Reiner, did you see where that ball landed? Inside the one-yard line between the one and the zero. And this oblong football just pops directly up and just continues to spin end over end in place before Caden Colsar downs it in place. They're backed up on the one. Two plays later, it's a safety. Ball game. I yep. mean, just every little play that needed to be made. When the offense had nothing, Michigan's defense and special teams made it happen. And going back to Grant and uh, Graham getting sacks, I mean, this is something that Michigan's defense wanted from since the offseason. They wanted interior pass rush uh, and defensive linemen contributing those kind of big plays, uh, especially the interior guys. Uh, and that that's was a discussion point uh, since the spring practice, and it's interesting to see it come to fruition at this at this stage of the season when you know the games are really uh, <laughs> so so crucial and, and and so monumental to everything. And so uh, Jesse Minter is getting what he wants out of that interior pass rush, and uh, you know it's it, it's definitely benefited uh, Michigan because they haven't had as much from the edge players as they had in the previous couple years. So those guys stepping up, you know, has been, has been really important for, for Michigan's defense this season. Yeah, it has. Although Jalen Harrell had a sack yesterday, McGregor, yeah. I believe got, got yeah. in on a share of yeah, 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 yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but quick question um, for you. And then we're going to, and then we're going to hit the break rank these four interior Michigan defensive linemen for me, uh, right? Like where they were Mozzie Smith, Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, Chris Jenkins. Are, Ma- are Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant the, the, the top two? Already? I think. So. Well, I think so. I mean, I think they've had as, a bigger as effect. sophomores. Yeah, I think they've had a bigger effect on Michigan than the other two. Uh, but, I mean, they, as far as playmaking, now people, uh, especially within the program, seem to contend that you know Chris Jenkins is getting double teamed and you know he's freeing up these other guys and and, and such. But I mean, it, as far as on the down to down basis, like who do you see kind of making plays and flashing? You see Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant doing that. Yeah, yes. Uh that that was my answer as well. I wanted to see if you felt the same. And uh and that's nothing against Chris Jenkins, who's one of my favorite young men yeah. on the team. And Mike Elston, defensive line coach, said he what has been hobbled with uh with yeah. a high ankle sprain, he said. Um so we'll see uh we'll see if uh, if Chris Jenkins can come up with a big play against Ohio State. Who else is going to come up with a big old play against Ohio State? 
We'll find out. We'll discuss it next. Don't go anywhere. This is Hail Yes. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we are back. Reiner, I know we said it last year when it was 11-0 against 11-0, top three showdown in Columbus in the shoe. Uh, We said, how could a college football game in the regular season get bigger than this? Uh, We need to stop asking ourselves these types of rhetorical questions, Reiner, because uh, my oh my, um, I'm not I'm not sure how you could get a, a, a bigger college football game other than Harbaugh being there as well or maybe or somebody's life on the line, uh, Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, obviously, that's a little bit of hyperbole, but uh, I mean, one of these teams. This I don't see this being like last year, Reiner. There's there's no back door in the college football playoff. This is the college football playoff. Yeah, it's it's going to be a monumental showdown. It's going to mean particularly a lot for Ryan Day. I mean, you know, having lost the last two games, I mean, and you know, Ohio State's not going to really, and their fans are not going to really accept, you know, a third straight loss to Michigan after they had dominated the rivalry for so long. So. It's a it's a huge game as far as the Buckeyes. It's obviously a huge game for Michigan because of you know all the stuff that's rolling around the program right now. They have something to prove themselves. Yeah, I mean the stakes are couldn't be higher for this game, and it's it's going to really be uh, appointment viewing for uh, most of America. I mean, I can't imagine Fox is going to be loving the ratings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can't. Yeah, it's just going to do. I mean. The, as yeah. the kids say, do numbers. It will do yeah. numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I just, you, it's hard to overstate who, what a loss would mean, who would be more harmed by a loss, right? I mean, on the one hand, you got to say Ohio State, three in a row, Ryan Day. I mean, how it would be really tough for him to survive that, even though everything else is going oh. so right. And then I, I don't, I don't know if they'd fire him, even if it went wrong, no. but, then, but if you are Michigan, right. And you lose everything about the last two years, a meet fair or unfair will immediately be called into question. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's future, everything. I mean, I mean, you talk about this team, right? 20 NFL guys, uh, all these people who came back, Mike, Bar- Mike Barrett, Mikey Sainer, still Blake Corum, uh, Chris Jenkins, Zach Zinter, Trevor Keegan, on and on and on. Just the guy, those are just the guys who chose to return for this game for this run. I mean, if you lose that, I couldn't imagine a more empty hollow feeling for the, the most historic class group era, maybe of Michigan football. Yeah, I mean this, this this game could be the bridge to you know Michigan's future, especially in the uh, reformed Big Ten, expanded Big Ten with eighteen teams, or you know it could end up being uh, the beginning of a very uh, fraught, uh, kind of scary time for Michigan too. I mean, you know, with a, with a lot of uncertainty, uh, and in some ways they kind of want to delay that 
as much as possible and, you know, get through this season uh, in the best way possible. Yeah. And if, and if this, you know, if this happens right now, I mean, you know, on Saturday and, you know, they sort of, they suffer a setback, you know, it would be the kind of the beginning of a very, very possibly difficult period for, for this program. Right. I was going to be a sarcastic ass and say, Reiner bringing the breaking news that Michigan wants to beat Ohio State and wants well, to keep the season alive. That's why you tune in. Well, uh, yeah, but, but well, no, I know. Of, of yeah, course. Of no, course. It's yeah. not. Ju- it's so much more yeah, than what a right. normal loss to what, to Ohio State would Your point. Your point's well taken. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. And, and you talk about uh, problems that that could present. Uh, Michigan certainly has one problem that it has to contend with on Saturday. And his name is Marvin Harrison, Jr., uh, he is the best college football player in America, question mark. Uh, one of five, I mean, him, Brock Bowers. Uh, I don't know if you should watch Washington again last night. Roma Dunze, man, just a baller. Uh, Michael Penix. I mean, there, there are obviously some elite, elite, elite wide receivers and, and players, but Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, will be a top three NFL pick this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, you know, again, it, they, they struggled against Caden Prather, uh, on Saturday against Maryland, I mean Marvin Harrison is a, a much much better player uh, and is is going to you know present some serious issues for the secondary. It'll be interesting to see how they how they choose to cover him. Obviously, there'll be some level of bracket coverage, I would assume, and and, and such. But that'll open up some other avenues for uh, Ohio State's other playmakers. And so I think you know, the, you know it's kind of a pick your poison situation with them. Uh, how, how you defend Mecca, that. Buka, yeah, yeah, over. Yeah, right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always tough because, you know, again, the one thing Ohio State always has is great, uh, receivers and skill weapons, you know, skill weapons. And, you know, Brian Hartline, uh, their offensive coordinator has done a great job recruiting those guys. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough because it's not just Marvin Harrison that you have to worry about, even though he's obviously the key guy. Yeah, and and you talk about how great of a job uh, Brian Hartline, the OC, has done uh, over there. Perhaps uh, one of the candidates for DC uh, of the year on the short list, Jim Knowles, uh, because this Ohio State team, if if you haven't watched Ohio State and you kind of look at the numbers like yesterday, right, like 37-3, it's like, oh, it's another shoot-em-out Ohio State team with these receivers and weapons we talk about. No, 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 it's not that. This defense is ferocious, Uh, really, really good. Uh, they have not given up a touchdown in like three weeks. Uh, I think the only the last two po- points they scored against them was like a 53-yard field goal by Minnesota and a 54-yarder by Michigan State. That's it. In uh, So Ohio State is doing exactly to those inferior opponents what Michigan did. Um, and, uh, and, and Jim Knowles has sort of <laughs> something to prove after after last year. Ohio State had uh, – had had that early ten uh, nothing lead. Uh, th- they're facing third and eight. Crowd is jacked up. Uh, he decides to send. Uh, looks like he calls cover zero. Sends the dogs uh, at, at McCarthy, who finds Cornelius Johnson on uh, what like 69, 70 something yard touchdown. That mm-hmm. really got Michigan back in it. Uh, and so uh, I think you were interested, Reiner, how he adjusts this year. Yeah, I, I think he's going to adjust uh, accordingly. Um, you know, they have the best pass defense in the in the country, so I think uh, it's going to be hard for JJ McCarthy to to get Michigan on track, especially given how he's played the last couple of weeks. I think uh, this, you know, Michigan will try to probably 
run at them. But I don't know if Mich- uh, Ohio State's going to be as susceptible because I don't know if they're going to go for broke in the same way. Again, some of some of those cover zero blitzes and uh, they you know run blitzes that they called up last year didn't you know kind of backfired on them. Uh, especially if you remember the Donovan Edwards run. I mean, they were they were Sorry. caught caught without a safety there. Um, <laughs> Which one? It, yeah, and no, and exactly, and so it's 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 become a problem. You know, it was a problem last year, and I don't think they're going to make the same mistake again. I mean, again, they've probably reviewed that film, you know, hundred to hundred and fifty times, probably, and uh, it's not going to be the same the same uh, defensive uh, strategy uh, against Michigan this year. So yeah, Jim Knowles, I think, is going to have made a huge adjustment, and you know, again, he's gotten that defense looking very fearsome at this point. So it's going to be a huge, huge challenge for Michigan. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, and they're, they seem to be at full health as well, or close to it. JT Tuimo, Tuimo Luau. I don't know how to say his name, yeah. but I had him on my all American uh, team. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been a beast. Ben Tommy Eichenberg, the linebacker. He was out this last week, just quick note. Um, but I, I think I saw Ryan Day say that was really more for precautionary reasons than any. He will be out there uh, against Michigan this week. So, Reiner, the key for Michigan, we're going to get way more into the X's and O's uh, in, in, in our next segment. But just a quick look ahead. Uh, how I guess, how do you like this matchup for Michigan? Offensively, Michigan offense, Ohio State defense. Is there a spot Michigan has an edge? I mean, I think I think it's probably in the run game. You know, I would I would lean on that probably. I mean, that's the one area that I, at least Ohio State's defense has shown some level of susceptibility. I don't know how great they are, like as far as up front, down to down. Uh, I think they obviously can get some pressure and such. But yeah, I mean, you know, M- Michigan's had some issues with pass protection uh, these last couple of games, and I don't know if they want to put JJ McCarthy in harm's way as much. And so I think they might go back to the, again, the strategy that they're, you know, that they used the last couple of years, which is, uh, you know, run, 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 and then maybe, you know, run some play action opportunities against them and, and hope that JJ McCarthy can come through in those opportunities. I wouldn't mind uh, if, if I were a Michigan fan also seeing borrowing a little bit of that speed and space that you saw yesterday with some of those quick screen passes to wide receivers, yep. manufacturing the run game on the outside, which also a pass game. Uh, I mean, you said it against Penn State, right? Like, the, I mean, the best way to neutralize a pass rush is to not is to not pass at all. A screen mm-hmm. pass is is essentially the same. And so mm-hmm. Samaj Morgan uh, look, looking for, for a little bit of that from him on the other side. I mean, Michigan's Michigan's defense uh, had had been shutting down. Uh, I mean, they've been holding teams teams to 225, 230 yards, and then uh, Talia Tagovailoa threw for over 250 himself. Uh, how concerned were you, or are you now about M- Michigan's outside? Uh, the, I mean, their cornerbacks. Frankly, I'll just give you a couple of numbers from this week. It was uh, Josh Wallace who allowed two receptions for 48 yards uh, on, when he was targeted four times. And he also seemed to miss a couple tackles in, in, in the open field. I didn't think he had a great game. And uh, also, who surprisingly struggled to me, Will Johnson. Uh, he was thrown at six times, allowed four receptions uh, for, for 54 yards. That's a season most. And one of those was, uh, I mean, just a beautiful 33-yard ball 
uh, to uh, to Prather, who, who you mentioned earlier, which was called a touchdown initially, was ruled a, a half a yard short. Um, but on, on the outside, I thought before yesterday that was a good test. Uh, they didn't seem to pass all that well. Pass it, <laughs> like pass the test, not pass the ball. Yeah, and uh, and I think it could have been worse if Michigan wasn't able to get some of that pressure uh, that we previously talked about with uh, you know some of the interior guys and such. It, it, you know, the, some of that stuff uh, sped up Tungavailo and probably made him you know uh, make some uh, risky thing. Obviously, the uh, the fumble that my, Michael Barrett did. I mean, that was a, a pure example of that where he was really flushed out and then you know chased down and and lost that fumble early on. So, I mean, it could, it could have been worse, I think, if they didn't get the pressure. And that leads me to my point that they're going to need to bring pressure against Kyle McCord. Uh, under pressure, he's uh, completing only 38% of his passes this year, uh, uh, you know, throwing two touchdowns and two interceptions. Um, you know, when he's not under pre- when he's kept clean, 72%, 20 touchdowns and two interceptions. So, it's a huge difference. That's going to be, I think, the key to Michigan's defense. Now, I think the secondary, again, if, you, if you're able to, it's the same thing that, you know, teams like even Michigan State has always called rushing cover. It's, it's the key to everything. And that's what, you know, Michigan also talks about is rushing cover. And if they can get the rush, then the coverage is much better overall because, I mean, again, the choices that Mike Kyle McCord is going to have are much more limited when he has to for- throw to one side of the field or he's forced forced into or is leveraged into throwing the ball somewhere that's that benefits Michigan so it's going to be all yeah. about generating pressure on Kyle McCord yeah and in the same way they did it had to do it this week it's not needing to bring extra people to do so right because when he's blitzed he's still pretty decent uh he's had 10 touchdowns two picks completing 55 percent uh of passes when blitz. So it's, it's when that pressure, when there's pressure with four and there's yeah. nowhere to go, that's when, so, so I, I think you hit the nail on the head and somehow we've, uh, we've yet to talk about uh, Ohio state's uh, running backs, uh, Travion Henderson, of course, yeah. uh, Tri- uh, Chip Trainum, uh, who is sort of more of a fullback, but uh, <laughs> last year he was sort of a, it was like a, who is this? And he kind of <laughs> had sort of a little bit of a coming out uh, against Michigan, at, at least for me. Um, and uh, and so Michigan will need to can continue to uh, to bottle the run game. I thought they were good, not great against against Maryland, but they they need to be generating Reiner more negative plays in the run game. So, so a lot of those negative plays are coming in the pass game. Uh, and, when, and when it is a negative play in the run game, you can – are we allowed to say – I think we're allowed to say ass. You can bet your ass it's Kenneth Grant who, who, who's there. Yeah, true. And, uh, you know, the you – know, I mean, again, Michael Barrett missed a tackle, I think, early on that led to, uh, you know, first down um, too. And so, uh, you know, the tackling is going to be extremely important. Obviously, tackling in space is going to be very important against this kind of Ohio State attack. Uh you know, it always is. And so um, th- that that's going to also be a huge factor in this game, I think, is like which team can actually tackle better. And uh, and same goes for Ohio State. And so, um, you know, that that's really going to uh, probably swing, you know, the, the or make the difference in this game, I should say. Yeah. When a game is of this magnitude and appears to be this tight on paper in rivalry in any way you cut it. There are so many different things you could set. Like 
it, it comes down to everything, right? Like right. third down is going to be critical. Turning the ball over is going to be critical. Uh, time of time of possession, Penal- penalties, value, yeah. penalties, right? Like it's it's going to be it's the little things, right? And this is why coach speak exists because there are t- there are so many little things you can't list them all. It just becomes making sure you're on your p's and q's across the board. Uh, and, and I wrote I wrote a column very quickly before we wrap this up this morning. About it was just a little ironic to me. All year, Michigan, right? Reiner has touted its depth, its uh, its coaches. How four Harbaugh talked about how four are going to be D one coaches next year, um, and 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 its players, how twenty are going to be drafted. Well, now the coaching staff is is, is taking a hit, right? Harbaugh's mm-hmm. not there. Partridge isn't there. Uh, I mean, and Michigan has had remarkable health on the field all season long. Now, who knows if. Uh, a couple of the, of, of the transfer tackles are going to be there. Who knows if Roman Wilson is going to be available? Mm-hmm. JJ McCarthy has been slowed by by this foot, and so they th- th- that depth that they talked about all year. Now is when you need to see it. Uh, Mikey Sainristel was a very good player last year. He became a quote Michigan legend when he batted that ball away against Ohio State. Right. This is the game where where legends are made. Uh, I mean, Cornelius Johnson changed his legacy. Donovan Edwards, the reason his expectation is what it was, is because of what he did last year. Somebody is going to change their legacy for better or worse Saturday. You want to put uh, your flag on who that is? I, I, I don't. I, I, but, I, you know, obviously, <laughs> I think, you know, I mean, again, you did allude to, I mean, even Colston Loveland, I mean, you know, that's when we really, you know, first kind of, we're like, wow, this guy's gonna be this guy's gonna be a huge di- difference maker. And so you're right. I mean, this game does uh, make players, and uh, you know, sometimes maybe even can break players. I mean, too. And so it, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, uh, Saturday. I mean, it's again, it couldn't be a bigger matchup, uh, you know, given what it can mean for the future of both programs. Again, I mean, Ryan Day is in a, a scary position where you know he's entering John Cooper territory if he loses this game. Uh, you know, and that that's that's not good. And then that's, on the that's not hand, the name you want to be yeah, in the same sentence with. Yeah, uh, yeah, Columbus. yeah. And then the other hand, I mean, you have Michigan, which you know needs to win this game because you know the alternative is much much worse, um, and, and what it can mean for the future down the line, given all that is rolling around uh, the program, and what what it could mean for uh, the Wolverines, not only in the the coming year, but even in years down the road, as far as that. Getting get, getting their footing in this new uh, expanded Big Ten. It's hard to overstate uh, the magnitude of the game. Michigan has it's long. We've long said this looks like Michigan's best shot, and yeah. now, and now and now the time is here for for Michigan to take that shot. Uh, we all year long we we we. We did our best not to complain, but we begrudgingly made our way through all those games. Through, I mean, fans too, right? Through, no, but we wanted to talk about football. Fans wanted to hear about football, but this year did not allow us to do that, right? There was a lot that got to this point. Uh, I, for one, uh, I'm just excited uh, that we will get to have a, a front row seat to uh, to what's going to be a day that will be talked about decades down the line. All right, everybody, thank you so much for 
listening and uh, and for reading, uh, as always, which we recommend you do on Freep.com. Uh, and as always, thanks to everybody else who makes this possible. Editor-in-Chief Nicole Avery Nichols, Executive Editor Anjanette Delgado, Sports Editor Kirkland Crawford, Audio Engineer Robin Chan, and Sports Editor and our show's producer Andrew Burkle, who thought he was on vacation in California. No, no, no. He woke up at 6 a.m. to help us record this. Uh, so thanks to the man, the myth, the legend there as well. Uh, all right, everybody, be safe. Enjoy your week. We'll talk to you soon. This is Hail Yes. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.